We're going to wrap this up today about our kids. Can I raise my kids without killing them or me? Hallelujah. I'm not dead yet, so I'm still called to raise my kids. Amen? Come on now. We've just gotten excited in worship, and all of a sudden, y'all can flip that switch and... No! Smiles on your faces. Respond to me. Raising our kids. Hallelujah. How many knows we need God to do that? Amen. Thank you. There we go. Isn't it funny how, and I I continue to say this, but it's almost humorous the more I say it, how much enjoyment and fulfillment we get from our families, but how much frustration we also get from them. You know, it's just where we're close. I've learned that we're hardest on the people we're closest to. And that's hard. You think, why would they do that to me? Well, it's because we know each other. (laughs) I know you well enough to show you who I really am. And sometimes it's not pleasant to see really who I really am. Don't anybody say amen to that. Say amen to yourself. (laughs) But isn't it funny how families is where the frustration comes from? We've been looking at Proverbs 22, 6, and I just asked the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. We have something to learn this morning from his word and from his Holy Spirit. We desire to learn this morning. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Say, Pastor, I could memorize this. I could say this to you. You've said it to me three weeks in a row. Well, let me tell you, it probably needs to be more than three weeks. Parents need to do their job. That goes for me. I'm seeing in my life that I am not fulfilling everything that I'm called to do as a dad. But we've seen that this starting point with your children is knowing your children. Knowing who they are. It says in the way that he should go. Not in the way that you think they should go. In the way that God thinks they should go. In the way that God has created them to go. Not in the way that you think they should go. Revelation. Church, that's revelation. You know, let's apply it to us individually. We need to find out and how to be trained by God's word to go in the way that God has called us to go, not in the way that we think we should go. If you follow that, put yourself as the child and God training you to do what he's called you to do, not to live a life of frustration and and pain and doing something that you don't want to do. But God wants you to work where he's gifted you. Do we agree with that? And God has created each of our children for a purpose. How do we find that purpose? Part of our job as parents is to find that purpose and to help them achieve it. Amen. You remember this word train up means to give them a taste, to teach them, to help them form a taste for the things that they need to taste, for the things that they need to desire, but also to lead them and to guide them. Last week, we started looking at the parents' responsibility. These are review. The first two are review. Number one was to help a child know who or she is. And I believe this is key. I I related this to help a child know who who he or she is as to security. One of the greatest gifts that we can give our children are security. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us in our identity is security. He knows who, who we are. He is thinking of us. And we need to know who we are. That we are wonderful, that we are beautiful, that we are called to a greater purpose than probably what we're living right now. You're called to more. It doesn't mean more work. It just means more. How many wants more? I want more. One of the common threads that I've been getting in my office this week is people coming in saying, I want more. 
I want more. You know what? That's a God call. That's God putting that in you and saying, this is not enough. I'm called for more. I think the church is called for more. We've got to do more. We did a great thing last night. We went to, uh, I didn't mean to share this, but we went into uh, All Good Housing and just showed up over there and started cooking hot dogs and brought some gifts to give to, to them, some uh, gifts that you guys all help raise. And, you, you know, it, it was a decent turnout. It's probably maybe half the residents or maybe a little less. But all we did was we uh, we got ourselves plugged into them. We weren't looking for them to plug into us. We plugged into them. They're in our community. They're a group that's in need. They're part, part, some of them come to our church. But all we did was just sit around. We, nobody preached. Nobody sang. We just ate and had a relationship and went home. And you know what? There was something right about that. I think that that helps. We didn't achieve. We didn't arrive. But I think we made a step toward more. And one of the individuals that was there that had rejected us before finally came down and was apart and said, I wished I'd have come earlier. I wished I'd come earlier. Because he could see we weren't after him. There was no hook in it. Just come eat and let us give you something. And that's it. I want more with our children. We need them to realize God has a call on their life. Not to put pressure on them to achieve more, but to realize God has desires for you. And it's my job as the parent to find that. And that's not easy. Why? Because I have to slow down enough to get to know who my kid is. God will slow down enough to get to know who you are. He knows who you are. Number two, to help develop our children's good bents, what they're about, what are they great at, and help encourage that, help throw resources to that, help position them to be great. How many knows you're gifted at something, but you never took the time to be great at it? There's a lot of things in my life that I can see that I never really applied myself where God gifted me and that there's all this potential in me. I know that you all feel that too, that there's potential in you, that you've not got where you're supposed to be. This is our job as parents to help our kids position them. How many want to be positioned for success? Have you ever been at work and your boss positions you for failure? There's no way you can get it right. He's positioned you. He's set you up. There's no way to be right. But when the boss positions you for success, There's something good about that. When he sees what your gift is and places you there and encourages you and supports you and helps you get through it. That's what God does with us. That's what we're to do with a child. Amen. All right, man, come on. I guess I'm needing some encouragement this morning. Number three, to oppose their bad bits, their bad stuff. There are some areas in life we have to oppose. Can we agree with that? You see, you build up what's good and you battle what's wrong. Everybody say battle. Is battle where the frustration is? Yeah, battle. We can realize this when we read in Psalm 51 what the psalmist said. He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin sin my mother 
conceived me. Every child was born a sinner. And I know that you might buy him the T-shirt or her the T-shirt that says, I'm a little angel. But it doesn't take long to see the sin in their life. Amen? It's there. Do you you all have children that don't sin? (laughs) There you go. I'm not trying to say your kid's evil and going to hell. I'm not saying that. Let's just have some reality for a minute. Did you ever teach your child to throw a fit? Did you ever go and say, okay, you need to learn this part. You've got to get real mad and maybe hold your breath and turn red in the face and start kicking and screaming and don't stop until you get what you want. No, you didn't quite get it right, son. Let's try it again. Did you have to teach them to do that? No. No. It's natural. We're born with it. You don't teach a kid how to lie. They lie automatically. It's a natural process. We were born in sin. And now what we're going to do as parents, what are we going to do as parents on the bad side? Well, I don't have all the answers, can I tell you? And by the time I'm 75, maybe this sermon will be complete, but I can still tell you there'll be holes in my sermon by then on how to do this. It's hard. It's hard. But bad bents, let's let's deal with this. What When a parent, bad bents can be battled when the parent, number one, gets inside help. As soon as your child is of a mind and ready to make a decision, I want to tell you, at three years old, Your kids, if you've been raising them up in church and with scripture and praying over them and just in a godly household, they're ready to get saved at three as soon as they can talk. Do you want Jesus? Yeah, I want Jesus. They'll say the prayer. But when they literally can make a decision, I can see my sin. And I need help. Okay, the answer is Jesus. Well, let me tell you, to battle their strong, their difficult sides, and we all have them. They need Jesus. Can you imagine trying to battle the things that are going on in your mind without Jesus? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, just to be completely transparent to you, it's hard enough with Jesus. But Jesus gives us the power over sin. Without Jesus, you have no power over sin. None. Try to make it on your own. You can't. You will lose. We need to get inside help. As soon as they understand. Do you know the statistics after they turn 18, the chances of getting them are almost zero? Almost zero. So let me tell you, it's going to take an all-out attack. It's going to take battle. Satan's warring for them. Are you going to war for them? Number two. Understand each child's bad bents. We need to understand where they are. I know that if I stopped here and if Elizabeth and I could separately list two or three. That's going to sound tough because y'all are in here with me. I, I love y'all. Y'all don't, y'all don't do many things. I, I, I even hate, I hate that they're in here because I want to talk about them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know what? Y- y'all are great kids. But we do some things wrong, don't we? Let, let's turn this around. You could probably easily list two or three things that I do wrong, couldn't you? Just do this. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, so could we. Y'all know that. Y'all know y'all have, we, we have issues, don't we? We all do. We all have issues. Let me tell you, if God were to, God doesn't do this, but God could list our issues, couldn't he? <laughs> there, now, now we're ready. As, as parents, that's what we're to do. As parents, we're to see where the corrections need to be made. But we need to understand where they're coming from. We could list two or three. And they're going to be different for each child. And you have to approach them and discipline them differently. That leads me into the next one. Disciplining them consistently. Bad bents can be battled when the parent disciplines them consistently. When we really want to settle that a child has this bad thing in their life, discipline must be applied every time. No exception. I'm not talking about beating your child. I'm talking about once you really discover an area where your child needs to be corrected, that's when discipline has to be consistent. Now, let me meddle a little bit. Something that drives me crazy. I'm going to tell you everything that everybody else does wrong. I'm not going to tell you what I do wrong. I might do that too. But I'm going to tell you what I see. What I see wrong. Counting to three. One. Two. One. Two. Did you hear me? One. Three. Okay, one. There's, there's There's no end. Why would the child respond? If your three doesn't mean whatever you've told, you've told them somehow, okay, we're going to try the one, two, three system. Great. I'm not against the one, two, three system. What I'm against is an ineffective one, two, three system. How many can't stand to go to work and the boss has rules for one and rules for the other? And sometimes these rules don't work out the same way every time. And these rules over here don't work out the same time every time. And here you are. Which rules are going to apply this time? Which, what do we do? Okay, kids, when I go one, two, three, and when I hit three, you're going to, this is going to happen. What has to happen? When you hit three, you'd better follow it up or you're a liar. It's not the kid's fault. No longer is it the kid's fault for what they're doing wrong. It's your fault. (laughs) How about that? Rita Marie, I'm, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to give an example of how I messed up with you. Okay? Let, let me just tell you, you have got to pick your battles. What's worth fighting and what isn't worth fighting? How many knows that we have discipline and we have gone overboard with our kids sometimes in areas that really didn't matter? And then other times we have allowed things that should have been dealt with and we didn't deal with them. Well, Rita Marie, when you were probably two, I had you with me and her, now, this is me not knowing her. Very, and still to this day, very uh, uh, quiet, very reserved, very respectable, very respectful. All great things. But I was walking with her and I had her and I wanted her to tell the person I was working with goodbye or hello. And she wouldn't do it. She's been taught by her mother not to talk to strangers. Plus, her personality is to not say anything. You really got to get to know her. And when, she, when you get to know her, she completely opens up. But until then, that's just her personality. You go to Pete and Pete will strike up a conversation with any stranger. 
Well, well, wouldn't you, Pete? You'd talk to them if they spoke to you. They're different. So here I am in my shop. I said, honey, I want you to say hello. She wasn't going to do it. Now, I will tell you right then, I should have just let it go. I should have just let it go. It wasn't a big deal. But I dug in. You're going to tell her. You're going to tell her. This is your last chance. Now, I'm at the point of no return. I've just made that statement. This is your last chance. Or what? Now, I've just put myself in a position where I can't get out. And poor thing is scared to death now and doesn't want to say anything. And it got ugly. I went ahead and got through it, and she said she was obedient. She finally said it. But it, it killed me and her to get to it. And Elizabeth pulled me aside and said, Paul, was that really worth it? Was that that big of a deal? Some things are a big deal. Lying is a big deal. Disobedience, true disobedience. And she wasn't being disobedient. Her little personality just wouldn't quite let her go. She's a completely obedient child. But I got hung up. Can you, can you follow where I am? I'm trying to get right down to grassroots with, with obedience. What, where are your battles? Pick your battles. I really failed that day. I failed you. And I'm sorry if I embarrassed you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. You're a great kid. But as a parent, we blow it. Where's my battle? I, I personally have a couple, a couple rules. Elizabeth would probably share something differently. But don't throw a fit and don't lie. Keep control of yourself and don't lie to me. Anything else, we'll try to work through. But those two, there is no one, two, three. It's over. That's, that's my life. We must be consistent. We must be consistent. If you say, if you do that one more time, I'm going to, we'll follow it up or don't say it. Do you know that God says, don't, don't, make, a, don't make a covenant with me? It's not a sin not to make a co- not to make a pro- an oath. Let me rephrase that. We are to make covenant with him. But it says in scripture, don't make an oath with me. But if you do, you'd better follow it through. Same thing with your children. Don't draw that line in the sand. But if you do, follow it up. Do you know that rules without relationship, James Dobson says, equals rebellion. We've got to know them, and we've got, to, we've got to help them get through what they're going through. And help them when they get into their job and they're 18 years old, they're not still throwing fits. How many knows adults can throw fits? <laughs> I'm going to just completely ignore that. <laughs> we got some pointing going on back here. All right, let's see if we can apply this real quickly, and I'm going to be done. Check this out. He who does not punish evil commands it to be done. It's a pretty deep statement. He who does not punish evil commands it to be done. How do we apply? Number one. Determine your priorities. This is just what I'm talking about. You've got to determine what's important and what's not important. What do I live or die for? There are certain things you ought to realize that uh, realize are the personality of the child and quit trying to discipline everything. Y'all agree with that? I can't figure y'all out today. 
I can't figure you out. Understand what they're going through and discipline them, but don't hound the kids all the time. Let kids be kids. Number two, record your observations. What lit, list what your what these bad bents are? Now, let me tell you, as a parent, I've not done this yet. This is uh, how many knows preachers preach where they are a lot of times. I got four kids. I can do better. How are you going to cultivate the good and counteract the bad? Number three, share your feelings. It's important to be open. Now, I want to tell you, this is not my strong suit. This is Elizabeth's. Elizabeth has been showing me, and even in her life, the best time to talk to her as a teenager was at night. I can't stand it at night. I want to go to bed at night. I don't want deep thoughts at night. Talking to your parents. Um, But our kids will open up at night. They'll slow down long enough. They get their homework done. They've got the pressure off. And now they want to open up and talk. Talk to them. I'm going to try to do better. I know mommy's very good at that. And praise God, she completes me. (laughs) Boy. What would I do without her? It it would be rough. Um, Finally, pray with your child. Pray with your child. Take the spiritual authority in your household. Mothers, pray with your child. Fathers, pray with your child. And don't just pray for them. Pray with them. Teach them how to ask for what they need. Teach them how to realize they can't do everything on their own and it's okay to ask. I'm telling you, I've created a, a monster in myself when kids ask for homework because I'm a drill sergeant. It gets rough in the house. Kids don't even want to ask me. They ask their mother. Usually if they ask me, I get not only the kids crying, but mama yelling at me. That doesn't, that's not good. We don't have it all figured out. Because you don't have it all figured out, that doesn't mean you're a failure. That just means you're normal. It just means you're alive. And it just means you have real kids. You don't have robots. You've got kids. And God's trying to, trying, to, trying to mold you. And he's trying to help you to mold them. Can we realize we need help? Seek out the Lord's help. Pray with your kids. Get to know your kids. We got two weeks with our kids. Hallelujah. Get to know them. Get to know him. Slow down for a minute. And get to know God. Get to know God. Here comes the authority in, uh, in child raising. I, I do want to say a few things just to encourage y'all this morning. And I think regardless of where you are, if you're grandparents or haven't had children yet or just friends of people who have children... Um, I think that it's important that we remember our goal, and that is that we are teaching our children to obey authority and respect authority because we want them to obey the Lord. We want them to respect God and be willing to yield. And, you know, they learn that from us. And so I agree with everything you're saying, but as you're sitting there talking, these are just things. Amen. We're a team here as a parent. But but anyway, so we're, we're teaching them to obey us so that one day, because they're going to be on their own, and it's important that they can can yield to God. That's really the ultimate goal. Um, you know, in Hebrews, it talks about how God loves us. And when he loves us, he disciplines us. That we know we're a child of God because he disciplines us. And so really, love is discipline, too. 
You know, we show different ways of love, but, but teaching, you know, to, to do the right thing, that's really loving your kid. Um, and I also want to encourage you to speak well over your children. You know, when I was coming up in child development, I heard about the self-fulfilling prophecy. We learned about that in a um, basic child development class. And I remember when I heard of it, I thought, that is biblically blessing. It's a biblical principle. And what they had done is they took a group of kids, this self-fulfilling prophecy, this research that was done on it, they took a group of average performing children and they, they gave these children to a teacher. And, and it was like a group of, I don't know, 10 to 12 kids. And they said, these kids are so smart. They are great kids. You're going to be amazed at what they can do, at how great they are. And they just lived it up over these kids, you know, just lavished all this, you know, great things they're going to accomplish and do and how smart and la, la, la. Well, do you know those kids, these average performing children at the end of the school year were outperforming other children. They were doing better. They had risen to the occasion. And those teachers never knew, oh, well, these kids were just typical kids. But, but they expected something great. And so, you know, when I heard that, I thought, that's biblical, that's blessing your child. That's saying, you know what, honey? I think you're so smart and you can do anything. And you know what? I'm a product of a daddy and a mama who said, you know what, honey? You can do anything. And I believed them. I just believed them. I didn't know any better to do. And, and I watched my children respond to that. Um, so I want to encourage you, speak well over them. That doesn't mean you go tell them a bunch of lies, you know, and, and that you're not real. But it means you find that positive thing and say, you're great at that. And if they make a bad grade, well, you know what? You're not an F. You're not this F. This doesn't define who you are. And you encourage them out of it. Okay, the other point, and I know I need to wrap this up, is that I love you enough. I think we've learned that a lot, especially in those two, three, four, five-year-old world. I love you enough to help you grow up and not act like this. I'm going to help you overcome this because it's my responsibility. And I can remember I had a couple really strong-willed kids. And those two, it was, it was a moment of, you know what? I love you too much. I love you too much. And I think when you get that determination in you and they can see, you know what? She really loves me. And she values me and she's going to help me overcome this. We're in it together. And, um, and you can overcome it. Um, the other phrase, and I'm giving you phrases here, um, it's not an option. You know, two to three years old, they're in the, the, the developmental span of their lifetime where they are trying to um, develop their sense of autonomy, that I, I, I feeling that I can do it, my turn, me, my decision. It's all about them. And so, you know what? It's a normal thing to have to take a two- and three-year-old and have to shape that will. Because they're developing that will. And their objective is to have their way. And your objective as, your, as a parent is to try to teach them to make good decisions and do the right thing. And so it can be a conflict of interest naturally at that two- to three-year-old age. But hang in there. Um, and that's why I say it's not an option. You have to decide on those things that aren't an option. You know, sometimes it's an option. Do you want peanut butter and jelly or a grilled cheese? Well, that's a choice you can make as a two-year-old. But can you play in the street? Well, no, that's not an option. Can you hit the dog? No, that's not an option. We can't do that. So um, be consistent. He said it. Um, let me help you. I think that's another phrase. You know, as a, as a two-year-old, I used to say to mine, they would say, no, 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 I do it. Me do it. Me, me, me. 
And, and a lot of times if I could just say to them, um, it's time to get in the car and get, you know, get buckled. And if they're throwing a fit about not being in their car seat, well, you know what? Let me help you. Let me help you. And a lot of times as a two-year-old, oh, no, I can do that. No, I'll get in the car seat. And so just little phrases like that help. And remember, we're teaching self-control so that they, we're, we're, we're teaching them to trust God. We're teaching them to obey the Lord. And so can you get some self-control here and submit yourself to the Lord and submit yourself to authority? Because essentially when they obey mom and dad, they obey God. Thank Amen. you for nothing quite like your wife did. <laughs> that was good. You received from that, didn't you? Amen. Amen. She uses those phrases on me sometimes. You do too. I'm sitting at the computer and she's trying to have a conversation with me. And she didn't mention this phrase, but this is one of her phrase, phrases. Look me in the eyes. <laughs> and I said... I am not your child. But yet she wanted my full attention and she deserved it. But that was one of her, or use your big boy words. <laughs> I got some men shaking their head, nodding their head. Yep. Yep. You know, I read something cute. I'm sure you've heard this little five-year-old boy talked about why we have holes in our tummies, our belly buttons. He says, when God finished making babies, he lines them up in a row and goes, you're done. You're done. You're done. You know, it's funny, but you know what? With raising kids, they're never done. We're never done. We just move into another phase. We just move into another step. God does the same thing with us. We just keep moving on into different phases and steps. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I, I know that there are so many walking with in different walks, Lord. Single parents with no children, maybe even single parents with children. Young married couples with no children and young married couples with, with children. Grandparents and parents that are, have empty nests. Lord, but I know that there are parents here crying out for wisdom. For Lord, I am one. Lord, every child's life is a, is a time of benefits and frustrations. And Lord, those teenage years sometimes are some of the most panicking times for parents. The body is growing faster than the mind and emotions can keep up. Lord, we all realize that Teenagers and youth and young adults are at a time where the decisions they make are going to really help form their future, whether it's good or bad. Whether the choices they make bless them or whether the choices they make curse them. Lord, we do just ask for wisdom. We just ask for wisdom. We're so used to going to the vending machine and pressing a button and getting what we desire. But Lord, with raising kids, it's not that easy. We press a button and don't get the response we're looking for. Lord, I just pray that as parents that we would just be patient and kind. To try to walk in our children's shoes and try to understand them from their perspective. Lord, give us strength to discipline them consistently. 
and to give joy and encourage to the things that they do well. Lord, I believe that sitting here, sitting in our children's church, in our nursery, Lord, are potential Billy Grahams, potential Joyce Myers, potential presidents and leaders. Lord, help us to help form in them what they are to be, what you desire them to be. Give us wisdom to form a hedge of protection around our children and not expect them to do all their battles on their own. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Your word says that if we would ask for wisdom, you would give it. Give us wisdom to raise our kids. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. It says that if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Just encourage you in just a moment to step out and let us pray with you. Maybe you have a prayer need this morning. Maybe you've had some breakdowns in your relationships or in your life or in your health. We want to pray with you this morning. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your job. Step out and let the Lord help you this morning. Step out in faith. Will you all stand with me? Well, those that are ministering, come on down. We want to pray with you. As we sing, I just encourage you, step out here and let us pray. Amen.